producers behind the scenes at Score North and 1500 ESPN have sports opinions. So they want you to hear them. It's the perfect digital sports soapbox to scratch that Minnesota sports itch. This is the Score North Taxi Squad. Ah, yes. Welcome into your favorite Score North podcast. It's the Taxi Squad, everybody. Welcome on in. I'm one of your hosts this evening or morning or afternoon, whenever you may be listening, Jason Stormer, along with the usual cabbies on duty. We got AJ Fredrickson and Artis Woods. Uh, Guys, we got a jam packed show. One of our teams got eliminated, one of our teams is on the brink of elimination, and one of ours is still in the process of hopefully building a Super Bowl caliber roster. How are you guys feeling today with this jam-packed show? Feeling pretty good, man. Feeling feeling pretty good. Like you said, it's a ton to get into. It's a lot. This may be the most jam-packed show we've had in a while. Um, I don't know if we'll have time for a dummy of the day. I forgot to bring this up off air. I don't know if we'll have time for it, but I definitely have one if we have like an extra like five minutes I would like to sink that in there. But so much to get into that's 10 times more important than bringing up my dummy of the day or dummy of the week that, you know, it really doesn't matter. But I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling pretty good. How you feeling, AJ? Um, a little, little not, I'm not going to say like beat up over last night's results for Minnesota teams, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling fine. Otherwise, the Wild uh, continue to be penalized for playing playoff hockey, but also kind of shoot themselves in the own, in their own foot. So it's it's uh it's a tough watch right now. But we'll have to see if maybe they can uh they can turn it around. But we'll talk about that at some point. I think first off, and I know Jason, you're probably going to swing it to this here right away. But the Wolves, let's talk hmm. to them. Yep, uh, your Minnesota Timberwolves, ladies and gentlemen, eliminated in five games to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, put up a good fight in that last game. Uh, came down to almost uh, Anthony Edwards' uh, three-pointer going down, but ultimately the Wolves uh, weren't able to get it done in this series. And I think now we can you know, finally look at this entire season as a macro artist and just kind of realize, man, there were some really cool and awesome things that happened in the playoffs. And actually, I need to talk about how I was dead wrong about Anthony Edwards last week. I'll get to that in a second. But now that the the whole season is done, I mean, man, it's just there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to talk about. But ultimately, this was a disappointing season. I just got to flat out say it. Right, Artis? Yeah, it didn't live up to expectations. It just didn't. You know, it kind of started with the Rudy Gobert trade. And we all thought that, you know, myself included. I knew the risk that was involved. I definitely knew the risk that was involved in trading for Rudy Gobert um, and giving up all the assets that they gave up. But I did look at the team in its totality and say, they're a better ball club. You know, Rudy Gobert is an excellent rebounder. He's an excellent defender. At least that's what we thought at the time. And, you know, I, I felt like, you know, he does make the team better because we saw in the playoffs against Memphis this past year that the Wolves needed Defend. They needed defense. They needed rebounding. They needed a better paint presence, you know, um, because they was getting killed on the boards. They were getting killed in the paint. And so it made it made sense. The part of it that didn't make sense is having two bigs in the game at one time, meaning Kim and Carl Anthony Towns. And that was something that, you know, we all kind of knew they're going to have to work through this. They're going to have to figure it out. But then when Carl Anthony Towns gets hurt, you kind of lose a bit of that chemistry plan for a period of time. He comes back. You're still trying to find that chemistry. Carl Anthony Towns really didn't have much of a ramp ramping up period heading into the playoffs. And you saw that throughout the playoffs. And honestly, like I have to admit, you have to talk about Anthony Edwards. I have to just admit I was dead wrong about the Nuggets. And, and last night before we started this, um, I, I was thinking to myself, was I wrong about the Nuggets or was I more wrong about the Nuggets or more wrong about the Timberwolves? Was that just bad Timberwolves or great Nuggets? And, I, and I've and i come to the realization I think it was a bit of both. Um, the coaching is I've, – I've already talked about that, so I won't go too deep into that. Um, but from the injuries to how each individual player played and how the Nuggets looked, the Nuggets looked like they were just on a different level the entire series. Besides the last two games of the series, they looked like they were just light years better than the than the Timberwolves. And even though we saw, you know, great games from Anthony Edwards, who played his, you know, his butt off pretty much the entire series, you know, putting up numbers comparable to Kobe and LeBron and all these great players, the rest of the team really failed to show up for him and show up with him. And I think that was the most disappointing part. Obviously, you missed um, J.D. McDaniels a ton on both sides of the ball. You also missed Nas Reed a ton. But even with those guys added to the to the fold, it still was going to be tough to stop Joker, Michael Porter Jr., 
and really Jamal Murray, oh who gave gosh. you troubles all series long. My and goodness. so, you know, you walk away from it thinking, like, it's been a frustrating year. Um, it's been up and down. I thought they had more potential than what they what they showed ultimately. But at the end of the day, there are some massive changes that need to be made, and I'll let you guys go. But I do want to say this one last thing. The first thing I would do this offseason, and I mean the very first thing I would do, is I am letting go of Chris Finch because I do not mm-hmm. believe he's going to be the coach that puts you over the top come postseason time, and I am hiring Nick Nurse. Mm, yeah, he that's is the available first, now. That's the first phone call I'm making. He brought the Raptors their first championship ever, and I think he could do the same thing potentially for the Wolves with the right pieces around. So yeah, those are my just immediate thoughts. And wasn't Finch coaching under Nick Nurse? On he, the ter- wasn't he on the Raptors uh, coaching may staff? He have been. I'm not sure offhand. He may have been. I think those two have worked together in some capacity for sure. So I, I think they do know each other. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to hear that Nick Nurse got let go by Toronto. Um, I was too. I, and sure, like... Maybe by their standards, they had a disappointing season. They made the play-in tourney. But, like, yeah, he's probably one of the best coaches they've ever had. And you think he built up enough equity. I mean, that championship was barely even four years ago. But uh, I, I guess not. They are moving on. So, yeah, um, I pl- pretty much agree with everything uh, that you said. Um, with the Chris Finch thing, I'll, I'll address that right now, I suppose. Um, I, I, th- I don't think he'll get fired, to be honest with you. I think... The front office will give him another chance just because of how injured this team turned out to be and was for most of the season, not having cap for most of the year, losing all these guys at the end. It just it didn't help. But but still, there's plenty of valid criticisms towards him, especially we've questioned uh, his timeout skills, just when he needs to just manage his team while the game is going on, maybe in moments where they need to stop the bleeding. And we've also questioned maybe. His motivational skills inside the locker room, too. I mean, I've done a bunch of uh, clippings of press conferences from Chris Finch, and he's kind of a ho-hum, kind of meat and potatoes kind of guy. I mean, he, he he doesn't really have much of a spark to him, but also he's doing that in front of cameras, he's doing that in front of media. Maybe he is a completely different guy like when he's one-on-one with him. Who knows? Um, so I think, he'll, I think he'll still get another chance, but I really don't know how long that leash is going into next season for sure. Because if they struggle like this and it's like halfway through the season, I mean, I can definitely see a scenario where the Wolves probably would uh, move on from him, uh, especially um, because, I mean, there's just so many expectations here that were not met. Um Specifically, what I said with Ant at the beginning last week, I was dumb enough to question if maybe Ant was going to be good enough to be the guy to be like the main guy here in Minnesota. And I don't mean like that he like he wouldn't be a perennial all star or anything like that, but he took it to a whole nother level in this playoffs where now like. We got everybody talking to him about being a superstar. And Ant took that leap that I really needed to see this postseason. So um, in terms of uh, Dummy of the Week, I mean, dummy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my own Dummy of the Week personally because I just was wrong about Anthony Edwards. And I'm totally willing to admit that on air. Um, he has proven to me that, I mean, this is a guy that can take the Timberwolves possibly to a place maybe where... They've never been before, maybe to a place where Kevin Garnett was at least able to take them. Now, I mean, sure, like Kevin Garnett had a lot of first round exits in his career with the Timberwolves, but he was at least able to make a conference finals run. And I know we had a ton more expectations of what this Wolves team could be even this season when Rudy Gobert came. But even though the team has been eliminated, Anthony Edwards did things in this series that is also leaving me terribly optimistic. Now, if we want to have conversations about some of the other players on the roster, specifically with Carl Anthony Towns, look, I'm not the only one who's saying this. Shaq and Chuck are saying this on TNT, too. I mean, they were saying this last night after the elimination. Um, Cat has to accept that he is now the number two guy here in Minnesota. Now, that doesn't mean that Cat can't play like a number one guy here. He's totally proven that he can. But after what we just saw from Anthony Edwards in these playoffs, I mean, Nationally, even from a perspective level, perceptive level, I think now the world sees that this is truly Anthony Edwards' team, and how Carl can you know, you know, deal with that from a mental level, I don't really know because I think Carl still does think that he is like at least the vocal leader of this team. At least he projects himself, projects that in himself when he's doing these press conferences. Um, but I mean, Carl had he had an okay playoffs. I mean, he shot forty five percent from the field. That's great, but he shot twenty five percent from downtown. And one of the biggest criticisms that uh, Chuck and Shaq levied against him is just like Carl. I mean, 
you got an opportunity to back down maybe smaller guys that are mismatch on you. You got to like get them into the post. You got to get into the post. Like you got to post up. Now Carl's perimeter game is fantastic. It's what he's made his max contract money on. I totally get that, but. In this series, he really just tried to rely on that too much. And I don't know if he was just really intimidated by Joker or anything like that. But, I mean, if you're playing alongside Rudy Gobert, I mean, you should be able to create some opportunities for yourself in the post because somebody's going to be distracted by Rudy Gobert also being in the post. See, this is the problem. This is the problem. And I and I didn't I did not want to go here today, but I'm going to oh. do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Literally 90% of everything you just said it's on coaching, bro. Mm-hmm. It's on coaching. When you go back and re- you review the tape, coaches, they see that. Okay, this is how they're switching their defense. Anytime we have this mismatch, Cat, I want your butt in the paint. We're going to dump the ball down to Cat. We're going to take advantage of this mismatch. That's, that, that is a part of coaching. We look at this basketball team right now. What, what is their identity? They have none. We got players fighting on the bench, punching each other. We got players punching walls, breaking their own hands. You know, we got players. Rudy Gobert, multiple times last night, missed opportunities to grab defensive rebounds because he just refused to, block, to box players out. Just refused. Just refused. He was brought to Minnesota to play defense. He was brought to Minnesota to rebound. Really, those are his only two jobs. He doesn't he, – he's not required to score, and he missed – Bunnies at the at the rim all series long. I mean, alleys, layups. I mean, you name it, he was missing it at the rim. But again, a lot of it comes down to the coaching. And when I go back and and we're listen, I am a person that's new to the to the area still. And I I if I'm a fan of the team, my goal is to always see the team win championships. And in order to move in that direct the right direction, I got to look at what previous teams have done. The last couple of teams that have won championships. Let's look at the head coaches. You had Steve Kerr one year. You had Mike Budenhoser another year. You had uh, Frank Vogel. You had then Steve Kerr all of these years. Then you had Greg Popovich. Then you got you know Rick Carlisle. He's not on any of these levels. He's not on the level of any of the coaches I just named. I don't think he's on the level of any one of the coaches that I just named. And that is a problem for Chris Finch. That is a problem. I mean, when you have a young team like the Timberwolves have, you need a veteran coach and a guy that can really galvanize everybody, a voice that everybody's going to pay attention and listen to, to get everybody to play like how they're supposed to play. He got out coached the entire series, it felt like, but maybe the last two games. And that's still debatable. And it's just, I I don't, I don't, I don't, they have, they have done more these last two years than they have in a long time. They're at least they're back, they're a playoff team now. We can say that. Yeah. But I'm always thinking big picture. And I'm always thinking, okay, you got us here. We'll take some nuggets from what you have given us. But at the end of the day, if we want to get to the next level, are you the coach? Are you the coach that for a game six, a game seven, when you need to make the proper adjustments, take advantage of certain mismatches, call certain timeouts, do certain things that need to be done, are you the coach that's going to get it done if you have to go up against a, you know, an Eric Spoelstra or go up against a Doc Rivers or go up against, you know, somebody's Steve Kerr? No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He, he's just not. The players are going to be the players. We know who Cat is. We now know who Ant is. We know who Rudy Gobert is. But it is on coaching to put these players in the correct positions to make plays, and it's on coaching to put these players in the right positions to play to their strengths, mm-hmm. to play to their strengths, not their weaknesses. And I don't think he does a great enough job doing that. Again, it's not all his fault. The players have to play. They're, Rudy Gobert knows how to box people out. He knows how to play defense. This is a guy who's won defensive player of the year like three times. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. But when he's not doing what he's supposed to do, you're supposed to be in his face. Box him out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Box it or sit down or sit down. You know, certain adjustments needed to be made. They weren't made. And I ultimately left feeling bad for Anthony Edwards. But I think Phil said this before, and I'll reiterate the words. You don't want to squander this young man's career. Mm-hmm. You don't want to squander this opportunity that you have to build something special around Anthony Edwards. Because if you do, there will not be another Anthony Edwards in this town for a while. No. No, you. it's already hard enough to hit on superstars, no matter if they're the first pick, second pick, or if they're in the second round like Joker was or anything like that. Like, we got this guy. We can't waste this. And unfortunately, we've already mortgaged a terrible amount of our future exactly during this guy's prime by uh, sending all those first-round picks in the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, roster shakeups are inevitable. I mean, they're inevitable in every postseason. And... 
I don't know. I, I'm curious what your guys' maybe thoughts are. I just I don't know how much of a shakeup the Wolves are actually in for this offseason. And I don't know that Kyle and Phil even talked about this, that they can totally see this team like running it back because of the injury problems in the season and just because how much you invested in that trade and just the maybe stubbornness to maybe see it through just a little bit longer, even though I'm under the philosophy, if you know something's already dead in the water, then you need to, you need to cut bait immediately. Uh, and I don't know necessarily if that's the case with Rudy Gobert. I'm still mildly intrigued to see what could potentially happen if, and I know it's a big if, if the superstars in this team can stay healthy through an entire season. But I mean, and actually, we did see a really good stretch run when the Wolves made that uh, West Coast swing when they won in Golden State, when they won in Sacramento. Um, that was probably the peak of that team playing because that that the entire squad was pretty much healthy at the time, too. And then the injuries started uh, started uh, being a factor and everything like that. Um, so I guess as it currently stands right now, I mean, if the Wolves were to move on from either Cat or Rudy at this point, artist, I mean, who would you be more privy to at this point? I mean, Man. you invested all that in Rudy, so like it's tough to like trade him. But if it's you know it's tough. not going to work, but like, is this whole cat thing working out? And if he can't, maybe like be okay with being the number two guy, then maybe we can. I mean, he's under a max contract. That would open up a ton of money for us to put pieces around at and especially when we. I want to keep guys like Nas Reed. I want to keep guys like Nikhil Alexander Walker. That yes. guy. Wow. Um, Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, look, as much crap as Tim Conley deserves for the Rudy Gobert trade, admittedly, that midseason move to get those two players was outstanding. It really did help the Wolves. Um, it obviously didn't help them get to another next level, but at least it probably helped them get to the playoffs, those two guys. Um, but anyway, back to my other uh, question I wanted to pose really quick. It's just like, okay, so if we were to move on from Cat Rudy, I mean, which one? I think which that one? You're, you're, you have a better ceiling for trade compensation if you get rid of Cat. For sure. You're not going to get nothing back for Rudy at this point. He's an aging, I don't even know if he's a star at this point. He's an aging player in the league. And people already had their thoughts about Rudy Gobert and some of the narratives that were out there about Rudy Gobert were kind of proven this year with how he plays. I don't want to use the soft word, but I mean, a lot of the things that were said about him were kind of shown a bit, especially in the playoffs this year. It's not a lot of teams that are going to see value in the type of player that he is at this point. The league is moving towards stretch bigs more and more. The, the league is, is moving towards smaller bigs more and more. And I just don't see many teams that are going to see, you know, a fit for him on their roster. Mm-hmm. But if you move Cat, though, you know, he is a big. He is a guy who can stretch the floor, shoot from the perimeter. He's still a good player. He's still a star in this league. He still is a he still is a, 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 a all-star caliber player. And so you probably will get a lot more back from him. But this is what I will say, though. If you don't trade him and get proper compensation back for him, you're going to miss him offensively. Mm-hmm. I know he's a lot to deal with from a mental standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, but he does bring a lot of punch offensively that you're that you you're really going to need in the postseason unless you replace him with players that can really put the ball in the hole. And so if you can I I I would have to get a heck of a package back for him this year. But again, I don't mind as bad as this sounds. I don't mind running it back as long as there is a new coach here Hmm. because a new coach can maximize this roster and get this specific roster, I believe, giving health. you got to have Nas Reed. you got to have Jaden McDaniels. But giving health, a new coach could get this team, I believe, as a top five seed in this Western Conference. I truly believe that. You just got to – sometimes you're going to have to stagger Rudy and Cat's minutes. It's going to happen. Again, it's going to be hard to pull off any trade with all the money that you put into these players. It, it just is what it is. They're, I think they're the highest paid you know, front court in the, in the NBA at this point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be hard to move them. But if you can get a head coach in there that can really coach and really push, you know, hone in on the X's and O's, hone in on, you know, getting his team to play the right way, find an identity, then I think you can still make some noise. I, I really do. Um, but guys got to stay healthy and coaches – I got a coach. The coach has to coach the right freaking way, the yeah. right way when it matters, bro, when it matters. Yes. And the GM has to make smarter decisions as right. well. But I will say this before you quickly go. I, As much as I did not like the Rudy Gobert trade or I was indifferent about it, I do admire the swing. He swung. Oh, of co- yes. He swung. Yes. So I, do, I yeah. do like him swinging. And when you're trying to win a championship, that is required. But you got to take a smarter swing. I would say. Yeah. You got to take a smarter swing. Yeah. At this swing point. 
You know, it wasn't a swing or a miss, but, you know, it was a foul ball for yeah, sure. You, yeah. you, you made contact. You made contact, but we didn't put the ball in play. Exactly. Um, and actually, there's there's rumors right now that maybe Tim Conley might actually bolt for the Wizards. Did you guys hear about any of I this? Um, he was up for the job back in 2019, turned it down because apparently they lowballed him with an offer, stuck around in Denver. Obviously, that worked out well. He's being paid a ton here in Minnesota, but um, there's uh, there's rumblings. I know it's been talked about here on the Plethora Score North uh, podcast, so I I don't know how much of a thing that actually is. It would be a it would be such a mean move. It would be so mean if he actually did that, especially making a trade like Rudy Gobert and the mean like, okay, see ya, bye. Right. That would be a, I don't want to say what kind of move it'd be, but you know what kind of move it yeah. you, you know what I'm implying pretty much. It yeah. wouldn't be very nice. So yeah, well, my, it's sad to my see. My question oh, yeah. really quick is, Ants, after next year, next year is his it, it, final year of his deal, correct? I believe of his so. rookie deal, yes. Of He's up for an deal. extension this summer. Yep. Okay. If that's the case, why are they not, and I'm not saying they need to do it immediately because it's the day after and there's all this other stuff going on. But this offseason, you bring him in, you say, Ant, you're the one guy that matters because I think that's apparent. If you're talking about trading the other two notable guys, why you're not saying, what do you want? What do you need? Do you want a new coach? Do you want a new big? Do you want two new bigs? What do you want? Because the reason why they traded for Rudy, and this was uh, a paraphrasing ESPN's Brian Windhorst here, but Minnesota for the NBA is not a hotbed for free agent destinations. If they want somebody, they either have to draft them or trade for them. And that's what you have here so far. You know, Ant drafted, Cat drafted, Gobert traded for, Mike Conley, who came on late, traded for, like, you, you you have to make sure that the guy that is going to be continuing to set these records where when I read a stat, it's like he's surrounded by the names of LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Ever heard of him? I'm not seeing that with Carl Anthony Towns, or Rudy Gobert. Why are you not making the one guy because basketball from my little knowledge about it? One guy can change the entire game because they're Most out definitely. there. They're Most out definitely. there for so, so much of the game. That is essentially why I'm not I'm not comparing him to LeBron here, but like hence why LeBron is this, even a 38 year old LeBron. If he came to the Wolves next year, I think they're a favorite to win. You know, it's just one of those things like that's just who he is. And that's what and that, that's what the sport of basketball is. So if you have this guy, why even jeopardize like trying to run it back and get this like he you know, he he's a young enough and humble enough guy to where I don't think he's going to speak out and maybe like throw a fit or anything but he's gonna get this festering little like god you know i i keep growing and i keep doing my part but they're just not they're not making the most of it show him right now that hey we want you and we want you to win with us here what do you want and i personally as somebody who's been on the outside looking in for a lot of this debacle can't get him out of here and rudy it's 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 not it's it'd be so stupid to trade in what I've said and what we made a, a bit about that we haven't done in a while, but like <laughs> trade five current human beings and five future human beings for one guy. But if you can get nickels on the dollar for him at this point, go ahead. Because if he's not let me spinning this, I, I saw somebody point this out there and is he actually that good of a rebounder or is he just like nine feet tall? So he gets a lot of them. So you think he's that good at it because it's in crunch time last night, it can, it's both. Game I think. The, line, the clutch, if, if he was, if he was a snowblower in the winter of Minnesota, let me tell you, he's not getting put to use too much because he's not even getting started. He's got no clutch at all. That yeah, engine's not I, turning mm-hmm. over. He did not show up whatsoever when the game mattered. You know who mm-hmm. did? Number one, Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards. Cat had foul troubles, and I know uh, mm-hmm. late, and I know he he did show up um, at certain points. But I'm I'm so sick, and this is just me being like more personality wise. I'm so sick of the oh why me? Um, I can't believe I didn't get this call, and then why did I get this call? And your palms should not be towards the rafters of every arena fifty percent of the game. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, um, I, so mm-hmm. that was like a two-parter. One, why not? Hey, <laughs> Ant, what do you want? And then two, um, is is Rudy Gobert actually really that good? Because right now it seems like 
the, the trade to me is even worse than than it was initially. It is. It is. Rudy, Rudy, Gobert, Rudy Gobert, to answer both questions, number one, I've always felt like Rudy Gobert is a bit overrated. But I, I felt like it was a bit. I felt like it was a bit overrated because I always didn't oh, notice oh, his. Okay, I get what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, because I because I always noticed his <laughs> I always noticed his 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 defense. You know, his defense okay. was always there. And he did put up big time rebounding numbers, but in the postseason yeah. where the overrated part kicks in is you're right. He has these moments where he shows up so small. You know, and like I, I pointed out, like you said I would have had a better chance at some of those rebounds last night. And I'm and I'm yeah. they, in the right shoes. Like they what are we doing? They would have been better off not trading Walker Kessler. Yep. Or I, so I messed this up last time. I tried to say his name. Is it Walker? Is it's Walker Kessler, right? Yeah. Well, I think Kessler. I said Kessler Walker. Last so you got to you got to deal with a little Southern draw, Walker Kessler. Yeah, Walker Kessler. Walker there Kessler. Yes, yes. There, yes, there it is. There it is. Walker Texas Ranger. They, they they would have been better off keeping him because he would have done exactly if he would have done exactly the same thing Rudy did, if not better, which is rebound and play some defense. Yeah. And he's been pretty solid this year. He's been pretty. He's been a pretty yeah. solid rookie this year, and so. I, is he a good rebounder? I think he's I think he's solid, but last night did not make him look good. And no. yes, he is a bit overrated. To answer the Anthony Edwards question really quick, I do agree, but I do think it's a slippery slope. You want to keep him here at all costs. Mm-hmm. So if it comes down to, okay, give me what I want or I'm gone, then you have to get him what he wants. But at the same time, you have to be smart enough to not to not cater everything about the Wolves to what Anthony Edwards wants because Anthony Edwards at this stage in his career has not made a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, and I could be completely off, I'm not sure he knows what he wants or knows what it takes just yet to go on a big-time playoff run and go and, and win a championship. Yeah, and that's, that's where it gets kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's, it's easier to ask Kevin Durant or ask LeBron or ask, you know, even maybe Joel Embiid or ask some of these other stars that have made deeper playoff runs and, you know, made a lot of noise. What do you think you need at this stage in your career? Because they've seen it all at this point. Mm-hmm. And they know at that point, I'm LeBron, I'm 20 years in. Eight, KD, I'm 15, 16 years in. Embiid, I don't know, maybe eight, eight, seven years in. I know at this point, I've seen all these different looks. I've seen all these different teams put together. I know what I want and I know exactly what I need. I'm not sure Anthony Edwards knows that just yet, but I would at least ask. Yeah, because you have let to me, make let, him let me, feel as important because he is extremely important. Mm-hmm. You have to make him feel like he he is as important as he is. I I would want it to just happen sooner than later because I don't want it to be a he gets upset and then it's them like the franchise is on the hands and knees like no please don't please don't right. go we need you know I man nah, no, right. but that. with the in in a, yeah, I understand. You don't you don't need to give him the keys to the castle. I think I probably phrased that poorly, but more in the sense of he should be in every single conversation. He should like consulting him, yes. and maybe it's more of a you as a front office get here's a trade route we could go. Here's this option we could do. This here's this option, and then you'd almost like do a sales pitch to him of like here's what we're thinking. Door one, door two, door three. This is the tree branch of uh, of choices and decisions we can make and what the team could possibly look like. Here's this one and here's this one. Do you have any input on what you think? Because we value your input and we want to make you happy. And also because we think making you happy is going to make um, like the team thrive mm-hmm. more N- rather than, hey, you tell us what you want and you know, snap your fingers and make it happen. I, I would say they need to do that sooner than later because it, it, it can't be – you tr- I I just would hate to see them try to run it back because I mm. the one thing I saw I saw floating on the interwebs last night was the combination of let me get it here uh Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Jane McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert played seven games together where they yeah. were all in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I hate exactly. that. I hate that but not because <laughs> they only played seven but because people are throwing that out there. It could have been. It could have been more than seven. People aren't punching teammates, punching walls right before the playoffs, and arguably the games that would have been added on are worth two, three times regular season games because of the weight of what you know, just being a playoff game or a play-in game for that matter. I don't want to hear it. If they're not on the floor together much, that means either there's injury problems, and I understand you trade stuff. You know, can only set a certain like goalpost for that, but that means injuries are, are a problem. 
uh, chemistry is a problem, obviously, or fighting each other and just the maturity of, of certain people. You know, why are we yeah. punching inanimate objects that are going to hurt us? So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's my two. These seconds. are these are the questions that we have going into the offseason for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Again, fortunately, has come to an end. Nuggets in five. Um, who do, who do the Nuggets get to play next? Do they reseed the NBA playoffs, or they is play, it like bracket style? They play uh, Phoenix. They get Phoenix. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Golden State or Sacramento gets Memphis or, or LA. Or, or LA. Yep. Gotcha. So yep. yeah, a lot of decisions need to be made, but I don't know. Maybe they'll run things back. I don't know. Um, either way, our expectations will be higher of the Minnesota Timberwolves, no matter what. And a lot of that has to do with simply because Anthony Edwards is on the roster, and this guy is turning into a bona fide superstar. Uh, before our very eyes. And thank you so much, guys, for going through this entire segment without even mentioning his age, 21 years old, because I feel like everybody has to mention Anthony Edwards' freaking age right now. 21 years old. I can't believe he's doing it at this age. But when you're putting up stats, similar to Kobe and LeBron, like we said, I mean, you're going to get those comparisons. So yep. good for Ants, but ultimately, again, bummed that the Timberwolves are uh, out of the playoffs. We'll see you next year. On to um, maybe or not really a much happier topic. I mean, we could talk about some of the individual games, but right now the overall mood in wild country uh, probably ain't that great with the team de- uh, being down 3-2 to two to the Dallas Stars, uh, most recently losing 4 to nothing in Game 5, and it was just a pure utter disaster. I don't really know how else to put it. Uh, the tone was set right away with the Moose Major. Um, we can get into that debate Right away, pretty much. Um, But overall, AJ, I mean, the last two games in particular for the Minnesota Wild have just kind of, I don't know if necessarily shown their true colors, but just have really left you just kind of bummed out, more more bummed out because of how impressive Game 3 was. Game 3 was arguably their best game of the season, and now we've just had two sloppy, sloppy performances, just constantly taking penalties, can't get pucks into our own offensive zone cleanly. It's just, it's been a mess the last couple of games. Really quick, really quick, I have a quick question for you both. Yes. Yeah. What are the odds, if you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage would you give the Wild to push this thing to seven games? To, just to push it to seven games? Like just, just to push mm-hmm. it to seven Just games. win the next game? Yes. With with all the momentum. With all the momentum with Dallas at the moment. Um, I'm not I, feeling great, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't really know. I don't even know what like the line for the game is. I know the Stars are definitely going to be favored, but I just... Uh, I'm, I'm giving, I'd, I'd say 50-50. Really? Okay. You're coming back. I'm more home. like 70 30. I think I don't know. I'm a little apprehensive. You're coming back home. You're going. They've already talked about shuffling their lines. You get the home ice advantage of the XL Energy Center, which night Dallas credit. I will say credit to uh, them and their fan base. It's it's a different world of hockey down there. So they do it differently. Same thing with like the Nashville Predators. They do it, it and present a hockey game as more of like an entertainment show like entertainment sports show and it helps them that their team is just as good as they are. Whereas the wild they're going to get diehard hockey crazed Minnesotans at the game, whether honestly they're good or bad. So it's, it's two different like groups of people. I think that are showing up, not that Dallas uh, fans don't know their hockey, but coming back home, I think the wild are going to have that regenerative like mindset of like, if we lose, this is the last game with this group. So do we want it to be the last night? Um, I think that could be enough to maybe get some of the bigger stars, Matthew Boldy, Kirill Kaprizov, going a little bit more than what we've seen, which really at this point, anything would be beneficial. Um, I would I would say, I mean, we know they're, they're not going to have Jewel Eriksson-Eck, but I would say it's still, I mean, we've seen that they can play their game and win and, and and just win. The problem is the past two games, they haven't been able to play their game because of uh, just bad, bad execution on special teams. And that's the biggest thing, but also partly officiating. And I, um, I have like two things about that. I want to talk about, but I'll let Jason kind of answer his, say his part about uh, the percentage he feels like it'll go to seven. 
Yeah, I'm I mean, I'm just I'm terribly apprehensive and I've seen this kind of like trend with the last couple wild playoff teams where maybe they've started a little bit hot but then tailed off. Um and I know Judd and Declan have talked about this too and they can speak to this way more than me. Um Dean Evison just kind of looks a little lost right now. Um doesn't really just he he's composed and everything like that and he's not like going off the rails and like he does his press conferences and he's fine, but it just in the games, I mean, and again, this is very like recency bias because I mean, Dallas scored eight seconds into that major, and it just felt like, okay, what what are we doing here, guys? And so, I mean, but yeah, I, I'm I'm a little bit worried, and it, it a lot because I'm just super scared of this, this Dallas power play. Um, I, we, sure, you got to give them credit because they have converted on like fifty three percent of their chances, and that's incredible. And they've scored, I think, nine in the last five games. It's it's just absolutely nuts. But I, I just don't know what the Wild got to do to just get a stop on the power play here. I just don't know what they got to do to get a kill. It's just been it's just been absolutely horrendous. And I know that Ewell Erickson has a big is a big factor in that penalty kill. I understand that, but something's got to change. It just hasn't, and it and it just hasn't, and it's um, makes me pretty nervous. Um, I'm not nervous about Gustafson whatsoever. I think he's been pretty damn solid in the series. He's definitely getting outplayed. Jake Ottinger has just been incredible. He's been so so good, um, but. Even if the Wild were to survive uh, Game 6, advance to Game 7, even win Game 7, I'm still all aboard the Gus bus. We saw what happened with Flurry in Game 2. I don't really know if we can go back to that well, and I kind of feel bad that Flurry had that kind of bad of a game, and it might mean he might not get another chance here again pretty soon, which stinks because perhaps maybe he deserved another one, but, I mean, that's what happens in the playoffs. When you when you lay an egg like that, it's kind of tough for it to go back to you. Um Maybe I'll feel a little bit better come Friday. The Wild do have an extra day of rest to kind of compose themselves. This is the one time in the series where they have an extra day in between the games. So that's good. Um, but if they are going to win this game, we look, and I know he's provided three assists, and that's good. But we got to get Matt Boldy to put one behind the net, too. I know a lot of the focus is also on Kirill Kaprizov and his one goal in this series. But the fact that Matt Boldy hasn't put one behind the net, I'm sorry. It just it can't help but remind Wild fans of kind of how uh, Kevin Fiala's playoff performances sometimes went for the Wild in postseason play the last couple of years. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm more apprehensive than AJ, but I totally understand your argument. I mean, like you said, yes. Um, and actually, I could tell with all the lighting and the things that they do in Dallas. And I've actually been to a Nashville Predators game. Um, actually, have I been to two? No, just one. Just one. And they are a whole lot of fun. Even, I mean, it's a, it's a great town anyway. Downtown Nashville is just awesome to go to. Just go even if you aren't a fan of hockey, if you like good barbecue and music and all that good stuff. Just go. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is more of an entertainment thing. And I think Vegas has really... I, even inspired other teams to really like sell that up themselves. But the wild are going to have their fans behind them. Like you said, I mean, this is the state of hockey shows up no matter what, no matter what condition really the wild are in. If they're in the playoffs, XL energy center is going to be packed to the brim with, you know, 18,000 plus. So it'll be a raucous environment. Wild will have the the fans on their side, but they really just need to shore these things up. They need cleaner entries. They need to kill some of these power plays and they just gotta, Gotta get their superstars going. Just more points, more involvement. I don't know what really they gotta do, but um, they need a lot to happen if they're gonna win Game Six, in my opinion. But you know, my my two things I want to talk about. I'm gonna do the first part, the whiny, like oh woe is me portion about penalties, and then I'm gonna and then we're gonna transfer into the I'm gonna rip the team. So okay. bear with bear with me for the first half of this because I don't. I, I hate blaming officiating for games. I hate it because there's a, I, I say this every time I I'm, I'm a broken record with this, but it's there's quite literally a million instances, every single game, whether the, whether the sport is hockey, NFL, uh, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter. Officiating is not the sole reason you lose a game. I can understand you thinking that it impacts the game heavily, but the outcome can be changed by so many different things. Hockey is a game of inches. The puck is shot an inch and a half to the left, and all of a sudden it actually goes pipe in instead of uh, hitting the outside of the post and not being a goal. So it's just, it, there's so many things, so many things. But I will say, the Wild have been penalized for playing playoff hockey more than I've seen any team recently. It is ridiculous. The amount of calls, and it, it's been on both sides. I'm not saying the Wild are without sin here. But the officiating has been just poor, just incredibly poor, uh, poor for this being the NHL playoffs. 
Marcus Foligno last night. He's out of the game. Two minutes in, I want to say. Barely. It was, it's, I don't like the hit for the outcome of it because it's a puck up in the air and Foxa has to like glove it down. He can't close his hand on it. So he has to like push it across. And by pushing it across his body, his torso turns, which takes away the territory that Felino's going to make that cross or not the cross check, but the, the body check, yeah, like coming towards the shoulder. That shoulder's no longer there, so the body has to hit somewhere, which unfortunately then means legs con- uh, connect first than the upper torso. So it ends up being a uh, more so leg on leg hit, but then it's it's a it's called a five minute major, which is is a rule that I like because the Sharks Vegas game from a few few years back it was non reviewable. When they call it a major, they're able to review it and then like de-escalate it, which I assume they were going to do because that seemed like just a precautionary thing. To have that stand as a five-minute major penalty, have Marcus Foligno kicked out of the game two minutes into it, the the Stars, and granted, I'm fine with them calling a penalty there, not a major, not Mm -hmm. a major. And this is already dipping into the second part because the Wilds' penalty kill has been just atrocious, so bad. Rule of thumb is like 80-ish percent on the penalty kill for success rate. I think they're barely touching 50. It's yeah. a coin flip every time they're out there for if they get scored on on the power pl- or on the penalty kill. In the stars, they've adjusted phenomenally. Peter DeBoer has done a great job uh, after losing Joe Pavelski in game one, who Joe Pavelski has been kind of their net front presence guy on the power play. He hasn't played since midway through uh, game one. They've still been scoring. Tyler Sagan scored in a matter of seconds after uh, the Marcus Foligno major was assessed, and it was only one, and so they would have scored even if it's a two and a minor. But the, the the hits that I'm seeing, even in the game before Foligno, it gets called for interference when the puck it, you could have blinked and the the puck was still there. That's not mm-hmm. interference. That cannot be called interference. The puck is right there. The guy just got done uh, playing the puck. Um, he gets called for tripping when I want to say it was Jason Marchment like jumped out of the way when he was coming in and hit him. And I know he's, uh, he said that he goes to the box with a bloody nose because he kind of stick there. And that's just because of the jumping out of the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's something. Incidental that, contact. But yeah. it's not. You, it, I feel like it can't be tripping there because I, it's just it's ridiculous. It's just mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because the, every team every year that I've watched playoff hockey, it gets ramped up. The physicality gets ramped up, and now they're getting penalized for it for what I feel like is no reason. And we're getting other calls across the league um, where it's it's it, it's just the same thing we're seeing. Like some of these calls are very much justified. Um, but there's a lot of calls where it's like, ref, what are, what are we even thinking here? But now to the other part of it and not the woe is me, which is the wild just have to be better. I, I said this to Declan on the, I want to say Sunday night wild vent line. It sounds dumb because it's more of the sense of like, yeah, you know, if, if this team, let me tell you, Jim, if they score more goals, they're going to be in a pretty good spot to win this, this hockey game. Really, you don't say. So when I say they just need to be better on special teams, it sounds redundant and stupid and unneeded, but they just simply have to be. The Wilds game, if they're going to take penalties and be physical, they have to also be good on the penalty kill. Not even good, just somewhat adequate, because that would be a game changer at this point. They, mm-hmm. they, they have, they're up against a hot goalie. Playoff Jay Gottinger is a different animal than what they've seen a lot of the other goalies in this league. He's a, he's a guy that's, I'm not saying stealing games left and right, but he is, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's been mm-hmm. so, so good. Yeah. Phil Gustafson, Gustafson is doing a heck of a job and goal for the wild too. But when he gets put in these positions, it seems like multiple times a game and the wild just don't want to actually play defense on the penalty kill. That's where you're, you're jeopardizing your chance to win a hockey game. And so you can't just keep going out and repeating the same process and expecting the same or the the result to be different when you just it, it, you, you have to adjust a little bit unfortunately mm-hmm. because clearly the refs aren't going to let you play playoff hockey um and, and that and that's where the wild i think are at a disadvantage because they have to play that style in order to win the series because on paper the more skill game and skating like with each other suits the dallas stars whereas mm-hmm. the wild 
They have to be the gritty blue collar physical hockey team that I was talking about last week on the show to you guys. And that's how they win the games. And that's how they won their two games. But like I said, the, the, the refs partly are not letting them do that, but also the wild are also stepping on their own feet because when they do go to the box, they just like lay down or like, all right, it's a shooting gallery. Go ahead. Get as many shots as you can. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. They're they're talking about shuffling lines ahead of Friday night. Um, Yes. Looks like Sunquist is in there. Finally. I don't know what took so long to get him in the, I mean, you traded for him. It's about time that he's actually, I know he's been he's been kind of battling injury stuff too. So yeah, I understand. But um, but yeah, at this no, point I, though, yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, Phil Caprizov to step up though too. And yeah, I'm, I think that's probably where you were going to probably shift the conversation to. But these are your two stars. Krill's making eight million dollars a year, which I know we just came from NBA money doesn't mean too much, <laughs> but in hockey worlds, that's you might as well be a billionaire. So dollars, <laughs> I need a little bit more from you in the playoffs. I know that you just came off an injury. Uh, where you were out like for a month or so. And I know we're going to, it's going to be one of those things because it happens every year. As soon as a team gets eliminated the next day, it's like, Hey, this guy had a punctured lung, a fractured. Yeah, fifth right. And he, <laughs> he had a in his neck for the entire series. He's, um, he's been decapitated. Yes. Exactly. So <laughs> I know I'm, I, I'm going to assume that Kirill's not at a hundred percent, but at the same time, yeah. I still need more. And I know that sounds dumb. Me sitting, yeah, no. you know, at home <laughs> saying that, but I need him and Matt Boldy to step up and just do the thing that we expect them to do, because that's the guys. I love the depth and I love the, where the scoring is coming from at times, but that can't be the guys that we rely on. I cannot rely on Marcus Johansson to do something every single time he's on the ice. I can't rely on Brandon Duhame and, 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 and Dewar to, to get shorthanded chances every night or a breakaway chain. Like and, and they are getting chances, but we have to capitalize on those chances. So it's been it's been a frustrating last two games because the Wild have had multiple changes to not step on the throat, but really just take a great handle on the series, and they just can't. And so now they're down three two, um, and they're gonna have to uh, make something happen here at home on Friday. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Kirill hasn't had a point in fifteen straight periods. That's just yeah, I mean longest streak in a few years. I want to say yeah, maybe the longest of his career. Um, yeah, that's just not acceptable. Um, he's yeah, he's probably still dealing with that, and maybe the Wild did a lot to get him you know back into the swing, get, maybe rush him back a little bit from his injury. Um, but uh, still at this point, I mean, if you're if you're able to play, this is playoff hockey. You, your superstars got to play like superstars. I mean, we, same thing with the Timberwolves guys. It applies to the Wolves as well, or to the Wild as well. The last mm-hmm. thing I'll say before we got to move on to the draft uh, stuff, because before we wrap up the podcast today, um, yeah, it just maybe, it seemed like maybe Moose's comments after game four uh, potentially uh, doomed him in game five. I mean, he does have to know not to like, if possible, not to make that hit because he's already, uh, no pun intended, thin ice. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the refs um, took notes of uh, him calling them aggressive in the postgame press conferences, and maybe that might have had something to do with that. I know a lot of people have been uh, been talking about that. And so, uh, yeah, I don't really um, – has he been – is he going to get suspended? Has that been announced or anything like that? Um, like Marcus Foligno? Yeah. I've been waiting all day for a Department of Player Safety like, hey, because I, I feel like if you get ejected from a game, that almost warrants the, the player safety department to have a hearing with you to at least talk about it or, you know, hmm. you get fined. I haven't heard anything. Okay. But the thing is, besides the rules analyst who I would get re- – I. I hate those guys because they're just essentially form. I, I don't hate them, but I hate that position. <laughs> I hate the position because they're essentially just former officials who are there to like reinforce the call. That's maybe they're on the ice or on the field or whatever. And they always, it seems like because they're, they end up typically being friends of the current officials in the game. Well, you know, this is why they made that call and that's why it's the right choice. Blah, blah, blah. That was not the right call last night. You have no. former players breaking it down in the studio and then they turn to the rules official saying like, yeah, so there was no, like that should have been a two minute, uh, two minute minor penalty in, in our eyes. And then he's like, well, actually this is why it was, the, no, you are, no, yeah. you're wrong. And so if they come out and I don't see any repercussions from it, it it's like, why did you send him out of the game? That tells me right. that you made a giant mistake. That's all. No, and I just think there's an ethics question here, too, that, okay, I mean, the referees are there to um, do an objective job, 
And if, uh, you know, they're listening to press conferences and hear what players say, and then they allow that to dictate how the calls that they're making on the ice, well, then that becomes subjective, and that defeats the entire purpose of your job and why you are there, sir, So or ma'am. And so it just... I, I don't like I mean, it's it's a conversation like baseball umpires, too, when they get, you know, when they puff their chests out, when players don't like strikes called on them and stuff like that. It's just the ego of referees sometimes is just way too much. And, and at granted, least in this instance, sometimes they need yeah. that in a sense. But at the, but all but it seems like not more right now, than not, but more, not yeah, right more now. than not, you have to just just take a ding to the pride a little bit. You can yeah, just calm down. If you can't handle a couple things here, I mean, I don't know what we're doing. So let's play off hockey. Chill out, everybody. All right. So, yeah, we'll see what the Wild can do. Hopefully they can win game six. Force game seven. Game six will be on a Friday night. And uh, no matter what, we'll definitely be wrapping up and talking about the this series next week. But hopefully we can keep talking about the Wild, unlike the Minnesota Timberwolves. But we do need to move on to the Minnesota Vikings because, guys, the draft is literally tomorrow. And with the Timberwolves and the Wild, I have been plentifully distracted from just really getting like into the weeds with the draft but I've been trying to do this this entire week I've got some names of some cornerbacks linebackers defensive linemen some targets maybe the Vikings could get in the first round but uh first of all I just want to address kind of the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to just you know what I'm thinking about with football these days he's gone he's finally gone Aaron Rodgers is finally gone. They finally made that trade, even though like they announced it like 40 days ago. But Jordan Love is now officially the best quarterback in the NFC North. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but guys, it, I, I admit, like, yes, it's it's. I'm living vicariously through my rival right now. But just to have Aaron Rodgers no longer be a problem for my Minnesota Vikings, it is fairly uplifting. I'm just annoyed with him more than anything. I don't know. I, what were your guys' reactions to all that? I so I mean, we knew the trade was coming at some point. Right. We knew it was going to happen. Um, and definitely happened to have him out of the NFC North and out of the NFC in general. I will say this though: Jordan Love is not going to be Aaron Rodgers, but I think Jordan Love is going to be decent. I think yeah. he's going to be decent. You know, I saw a bit of him against Philly when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and kind of awkward for me to say this but you can tell he learned a lot from Aaron Rodgers as far as how to throw the football um the anticipation the accuracy the arm strength he's got some skills and he's mobile so I would and on top of that the Packers also have a pretty high draft pick this year and so I wouldn't completely sleep on it I wouldn't completely sleep on the prospect of him coming in and being you know decent but yes Definitely grateful that Aaron Rodgers is, is not a member of the Green Bay Packers anymore, and that headache won't be around. And I'm happy that the Vikings was able to give him, you know, an L on the way out of the door <laughs> by beating him in a regular season and winning the NFC North. I uh, I mean, I'm happy it's over. It's about time. Uh, <laughs> I did enjoy watching him like stink though for a while. Um, sure. <laughs> also, I'm just I'm just so sick of talking about this guy because it's been it's been like he's like orchestrated this whole offseason thing to be just a constant Aaron Rodgers conversation. And then I'm sure he probably was not thrilled that like the Lamar Jackson contract stuff probably butted in on the Aaron Rodgers love <laughs> fest. And then, you know, I'm just go go to New York and do whatever you're going to do. I I really don't care anymore. And if you if you're gonna come to Minnesota after one year, I'm gonna tell you what. But no, I'm, um, I I think artist those right. We 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 saw we got the Applebee's apple t- uh, like apple appetizer sampler platter. If that makes sense with Jordan. Oh, Love. it's so good. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like we we oh, saw what yes. he can do, and it it's uh he's he's shown that he can be a decent quarterback, at least based on that just little tiny spread that we got. Um, whether he can do that for a full season, let alone a full game is going to be something to watch because, you know, the, the lions are up and coming. They have great, they have a good defense. Uh, some, I wouldn't say a great defense, but like some good players on defense, the Vikings are hopefully looking to retool. And now, uh, with Brian Flores as their defensive coordinator, you got to expect that they're going to be uh, a little bit better than the, as Judd coins it, the Donna shell defense, uh, that we saw last season. And then you know the Bears are gonna Bears, but um, they got better this offseason. They did very, very. They yeah, had a great that's, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> still not over yet for them. The, the NFC North defenses, I wouldn't say are like it's not a gauntlet, but it's it's up and coming. It, it it's kind of what he is, I think, as, as a quarterback, where there's a lot of promise there. We just don't know 
what the p- full potential quite is. So um glad glad Rodgers is gone. It's been one twelve year nightmare essentially, and yeah. I'm just praying that the, the the backers cannot go Hall of Fame QB to Hall of Fame QB to what to another Hall of Fame QB. That would be nice. did, never been done. another Hall because what wasn't uh, who was before who was before Brett Favre was it Bart Starr? No, there was a significant gap. No, I'm like thinking the, somebody else. I'm thinking of somebody else. But anyways, but yeah, no, to no. go from Favre to Rogers to, and I know Huntley was kind of in there for a little <laughs> bit, but we they don't they don't like to talk about that one. Um, but, <laughs> we don't talk about Huntley. But uh, yeah, the like just for especially for I when's the last time that the Vikings have had like that guy at quarterback with Tarkin? I, and I know Kirk is very good. Kirk is he's he's a, he's a top ten guy fringe at least but pro- like you could argue top 10 guy but to mm-hmm. have a guy that's like what randall cunningham or fran tarkenton or like who yeah like, they, they just no no had no it. fran fran's I'm, the guy fran is the guy am, like, and I'm rogers like, is better than fran tarkenton so like, i mean and, and i'm i'm just i'm just so jealous that they they were able to go back to back like that and now yeah. i just don't do it again please ever me. again no, yeah. I mean, the Niners were the only other team because they did Joe Montana and to Steve Young. I think that's been like the only team that's been able to like homegrown back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And uh, yeah, we'll see what Jordan Love does. Yeah, I, I think he might be pretty decent, too. Um, I, I actually do right now do firmly believe, though, he is the probably the fourth best quarterback in the NFC North right now. That can change. He can definitely leap over Jared Goff. That's very that's very much possible. But I expect a leap from Justin Fields this season, especially with a better roster. I expect Kirk Cousins to put up the similar numbers as well. But the Packers definitely got worse with this Aaron with Aaron Rodgers finally moving on from the team. They lost a lot of pieces too. Alan Lazard um went uh, as well to New York. So, um it, no, yeah, I mean it, it finally actually means that the Packers were actually are actually destined for maybe a down year. Again, it depends how well Jordan plays, but I'm expecting the Packers to finish last in the NFC North this season. I'm I'm just putting that out there. Anyway, on to the actual draft. The draft itself, uh, guys, the Vikings have the 23rd overall pick once again. I believe they had that just a couple years ago where they drafted Christian Dare saw that turned out really well um but what are your guys's opinions on what the biggest needs are for the vikings here in the first round a lot of options out there pretty decent uh depth at the positions you do need like cornerback wide receiver and defensive line i don't know what do you guys want the vikings to t- who do you want the which position or even a specific player do you guys want the vikings to target here at 23 or do you want them to trade who knows i think it'd be fun to see them like go with that spicy pick of of like either trying to move up or if somebody drops to them, you take that quarterback or whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, in reality, we're going to get the Rick Spielman special, which is Quasey's he's going <laughs> to, he's going to trade back, get another pick and then select somebody who, you know, falls a little bit later. And the, the simple choice is just get a cornerback. Cause you need stuff like that. Like Brian Flores, I think does not, come to minnesota without like some sort of guarantee we're getting you some more young help here in the draft you know you're you're not going to call an audible and go get like a you're not going to reach on a hendon hooker at 23 or whatever you know it's it even though i who was i peter king i think had a yeah why yep, yeah. that anthony richardson falls to 23 i was gonna bring that up like <laughs> no way no yes yes please no though way. if that but happens, if that, happens though, happened, that yes, will be please. so tough I mean, to pass on though no, if it did happen i feel like you almost have to at that point but yeah yeah um but no i just just take the cornerback be safe i i yeah. the the best thing i think that could be, happen is like vikings fans are almost bored with the selection where it's like <laughs> don't don't anger anybody don't outrage anybody get the safe db help that you need and then move on to day two yeah i uh so i actually did today um and and a bit last night did a couple of mock drafts myself for the vikings i did a couple of mock drafts um and so i wanted to see you know where pff had players falling to the vikings and there are some options there at 23 um so, and this is without making trades in the first round. Um, there are some, if this breaks down, how this breaks down, according to PFF, and we know sometimes it's a little accurate, sometimes it's not. But they got some players here, you know. Um, Joy Porter Jr. is there at 23. Um, mm-hmm. Van Ness is there at 23. Who else? They got a, a Tyree Wilson there at 23 to edge out of uh, Texas Tech. 
And so there are some pieces there, but my thought process is, again, go with the corner. If Joey Porter Jr. is there, there's no way you pass on that talent. 6'2", physical corner, really more of a, 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 a man-to-man press corner. He's going to be solid. He's going to be a very solid cornerback in the NFL. He reminds me of the of like a Richard Sherman kind of type, like except more of a man-to-man uh, corner because Richard Sherman was solid at man-to-man, but I, I kind of viewed him as a really good zone corner too. Um, and that might be one of, you know, Joey Porter Jr.'s kind of downfalls. I don't really think he's that great in the zone, but he's great at man-to-man physical corner and, I think he will be great for the Vikings at 23. And then this is dipping into day two just a little bit. I wouldn't be mad if they went and got Van Ness, though. I wouldn't be mad if they got, you know, the boy from Texas Tech. I would not be mad at that because you do need some defensive line help as well. But, again, if, if if Porter's there, it's it's hard to pass on him. Day two, though, and I just want to quickly throw this out here. I know people are going, like, you're crazy. But I do want to say this really, really quick. I love Jalen Hyatt. Mm, okay. Love him. Absolutely love them. And so day two, I traded in front of the Chicago Bears. Ooh, and I drafted yes, him. Yes. And I traded the – I got it here on my phone. I traded – start this over. I, tra- I traded the 53rd pick. No, no, no. I traded for the 53rd pick and traded the 87th and a future third-round pick, hmm. which next year's third-round right. pick, to move up. Because you need a second receiver to play alongside mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson – and Hyatt, I mean, man, what he did last year, 15 touchdowns, 1,200 yards. He was special playing with Hendon uh, uh, Hooker. He, he he was special, special. So that is that is preferably what I would do. Um, but they're, they will have some options. They will have some choices. And um, I'm interested in seeing what they do. Like I said, there's a lot of depth at a lot of these positions. So uh, honestly, if they did take a wide receiver, you know, you got uh, Smith uh, Jigba, you got Jordan Addison, uh, maybe even Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers. Those guys, guys have all been mocked in the first round. I wouldn't be opposed to that because there's, like we talked about, there's a lot of good depth at the cornerback. Uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, another uh, guy that's been mocked pretty high as well. Um, uh, Deontay Banks, I know he's been mocked to the Vikings plenty as well. Um, another name I like is Emmanuel Forbes. Um yeah, and like, yeah, there's a few defensive linemen too. Uh, Miles Murphy out of Clemson is really intriguing, as well as Nolan Smith. I just don't think Nolan Smith is going to fall to the Vikings. I think he'll get picked in the mid-teens. And obviously the quarterbacks, um, I, I think the quarterbacks, no matter what, because one of these guys is going to fall for sure. I think it's either going to be Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, one of those two, even though I know there's been a lot of conversations with C.J. Stroud uh, recently as well. Maybe his stock falling and Bryce Young is for sure going to be the number one overall pick. Um, did you guys hear the rumors that maybe that the Miami Dolphins might be interested in trading for Dalvin Cook? Did you see the news from that from ESPN that that might be a scenario that could potentially play out in the draft? Um, that'd be fairly interesting. I mean, we still don't have any news on Dalvin Cook on the eve of the draft, so um, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on what you could get back. I mean, maybe you could get something good for Miami. I don't really. I know that the running back situation ain't great, but um, maybe there could be something there. And you know what? Maybe the Vikings do move up. Maybe, maybe there is one of these quarterbacks that they just really, really like, or maybe even a defensive player. I mean. It was to say the Vikings can't go up and get Will Anderson. You know what I mean? I mean, I know. I know. I know. I know. Let's just big picture. It's fun. You know, reckless speculation. We do it best here at Score North. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Vikings on day one, day two, and day three. We'll obviously have a whole bunch of draft coverage to break down for you guys uh, next week. Also, a last little bit of news before we wrap up the show. Um, This is pretty obvious, right? Justin Jefferson, fifth-year option picked up. Good move by the Vikings. We all in agreement. Yeah. Smart move by the Minnesota Vikings. Makes sense. Yeah. Wonder when that contract's going to get figured out. That should be uh hopefully sooner than happening sooner rather than later. Great doesn't Thank go up. Yeah, um, but, really, really quick plug as yep. well. Um, this is only going to apply to the select few that listen to this uh, in the time before six p.m. on four twenty-seven. But <laughs> uh, six p.m. doors open. Uh, Purple Daily Draft Party at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. Um, Phil Mackey, Judd Zoliad, Declan Goff, as well as Thor Nystrom. I want to say Tyler Fornes will be on site as well for their brand new show. That one was fun. Uh, Purple Daily on Draft, a, a show centered specifically around the NFL draft, and it'll go all year long. So that's that one's fun. Um, but make sure to come on by for that artist. I know you're going to be in the building. I don't know. I will be in the building. Who knows if you'll get the mic at some point, but you will be in the building. I heard you're signing autographs, five bucks a pop. 
Yes, five bucks. That, thank, thank that's you. That's it. Throwing that, throwing Good that deal. Charge. Yeah, just five dollars. You know, oh. no, 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 nothing too crazy. No, nothing mean, too crazy. No. No. Just a little, you know. In this economy, yes. Yeah, yeah, doors, yeah. doors open at uh, at six o'clock. Park Tavern in St. Louis Park. I believe they'll be in the. It's technically called the eleventh frame. Which, if you Ooh. haven't been to the Park Tavern, um, a great facility. I go there all the time after my men's league wiffle ball games. Don't laugh. <laughs> um, it's it's like in the corner. Um, it, it's a nice spot, great food, great beverages. And I know Surly will be on tap there with the, uh, it, it's not limited edition, but it's the kind of purple daily somewhat centric before I die brew, uh, with, for the full official release ahead of this fantastic summer. So it's a Surly summer. It's a draft party. Make sure you're out there 6 PM tomorrow doors open. Yes, please go. Cause I can't, cause I got to run the board for the actual draft for 1500 ESPN. So please go drink a surly for me, if you don't mind, ladies and gentlemen. But that's going to wrap it up for the Score North Taxi Squad this week. I just jam packed show, gentlemen. This was great. Uh, we'll still talk a little wolves throughout the off season uh, when, uh, you know, some big things come up. Maybe we'll even have some more things to say next week. We'll see. Uh, but uh, with them wrapping up, we'll probably dive more into some twins conversation as well as the summer goes on and the spring uh, finishes up. So, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully the wild keep going on and we'll, again, have a big recap of the draft and uh, every every uh, move that the Vikings made. So thank you for listening to Taxi Squad, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. My name is Jason Stormer. we got Artist Woods and A.J. Fredrickson. Uh, Please check us out on Spotify. You can also check us out on Apple. If you do go on Apple, though, give us a five-star rating. Why wouldn't you? But the best way, the absolute best way to support us here at Score North is to check us out on scorenorth.com or download the Score North app. All of our podcasts are on there. Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd, obviously your favorite, Taxi Squad. You can find everything there. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.